And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about spiritual growth, spiritual growth. And uh, the amazing thing about it is that chances are when you were a little younger, <laughs> you know, um, some parents and, uh, would uh, draw on the door um, uh, area or inside of a closet like uh, and measure their children every three to four months to see how they were growing. And if your mother or your father did that, you know you were really excited to see how you were growing each time you were measured. And uh, you know how it felt when you outgrew uh, your mother in terms of height. Not in terms of swiftness, but in terms of height. And how you outgrew your mother and how, how it felt, you know, you felt, I'm growing. Or if you got to the place where you outgrew your father um, and, and in terms of height and you go, man, I am growing. And you remember how that felt. It felt really, really good. And so uh, that reminds me when I was uh, th thinking about that and talking about that, uh, it reminds me, and, uh, and not in such a subtle way, way. I, I used to be uh, boast about being six feet. And then at one time I boasted about, well, you know, I was six feet. And I boasted about being six one. I was so excited about it. And so I took my last physical, my, my physical last year, and uh, when the nurse uh, measured my height, she says, Mr. Graham, you're 5'11". I said, no, 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 I'm six feet or 6'1". She says that you may have been six feet or 6'1", but today you're 5'11". And that, that scared me. Why? Is because they say, you know, when you get old, you start shrinking. And I was like, oh, Lord, have I reached that age? And so she told me I was 5'11", and that hurt a little bit. And, uh, but sometimes something is in us that just wants to grow. We want to grow, and no one really wants to uh, stay the same. It's really critical that we uh, recognize that because growth is such a part of who we are and what God has placed on the inside of us. And so this morning, what I want you to do is I want you to just kind of take a look in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Colossians 2. If you would turn that in your Bibles, and we're going to read that this morning out of the NIV. Let's read it together now. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. How? Rooted and built up in him. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with. So how are we going to live our lives in him? We're going to live our lives rooted. And by being rooted, we're going to be built up. And by being built up, we're going to be strengthened. But you're not, built, you're not strengthened if you're not built up. And you're not built up if you're not rooted. And so the Bible gives an analogy of a tree. And, uh, you know, it tells us that we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And when the drought comes, our leaves will not wither. But even in our old age, we will produce fruit. I love the way Psalm uh, 92 says it. It says that we shall grow like a palm tree. And it says that those that are planted in the planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish like a palm tree. And so what we recognize is that God refers to us as trees. Even in the book of Isaiah, he refers to it, us as the trees of righteousness. And so there are two types of trees. There's a dead tree and then there's a live tree. But you know what? Dead trees are never planted. Only live trees are planted, and they are planted for a purpose. And so the Bible tells us 
in this tree analogy that uh, trees grow until they die. And you know what? People grow too until they die. But the challenge is this. The challenge is that some of us die inside before we recognize that we're dying on the outside. But that's not what God intended for us. God intended that we would be rooted. He intended that we would be built up. And God intended that we would grow and be strengthened. So let me give you just three signs very quickly of how do you know someone is dying inside, even if you don't see it outside. How do you know someone's not growing? Number one, they stop learning. And you, and you know someone stopped learning because they stopped sharing something new that they've learned. That's the first thing, they stop learning. The second thing that you know someone isn't growing is they stop maturing. And you can tell when a person has stopped maturing because their character hasn't changed. They still deal with the same things that they've dealt with in the past years over and over and over again. So you recognize that because they haven't matured, you can see that in their lives because they don't do anything more in the neighborhood. They don't do anything more at the house. They don't do anything more in the community. They don't do anything more at work. They don't do anything more at church. And that's how you know someone is not growing. The third way is that they don't care. Do you know what a child is? A child is someone who always says, what? Mine. Now, the beautiful thing about a child is a child can fuss with their friend, but then, uh, and then this is the amazing thing, you know, a child can fall out with each other, and then they go in the house and tell their mom, and the mamas and the daddies get involved. Mamas and daddies are mad at each other for months, but the children are playing again that afternoon together. But you know that uh, they, people just don't care. They don't care. They're focused more on themselves. They're focused more on their comfort. They're focused more on what they want and what they want to do. And so you know then that they're not growing because the more you grow, the more you mature, the more responsibility that you take on. Now, I don't know about you, but there are some days I wish that I was a child again. And the only thing I was responsible for was going to school and getting my grades or getting my homework done. And do you know that, how many of you know that um, it gets harder as you go forward in, in terms of you don't complete some things in your past, it gets more difficult as you go forward. You know, when you're, when you're 17 or you're 18 years old and you graduate from college, if you don't go and, um, and, 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 uh, and, you, and you decide at 25, I'm going to go back to college, it's harder at 25 than it is 18 because generally there, you have different expectations, you have more expectations, you may not even have a a, uh, a spouse now or a family and so it becomes harder so God doesn't expect us to uh, put things off and focus more on ourselves God does expect us to grow to mature to learn and to care not only about ourselves but to care about one another and I'm going to share that with you uh, today I want you to say this with me life is about growing come on say that one more time life is about growing uh, say this with me, that uh, you have to grow just to keep up. Ah, say that one more time. You have to grow just to keep up. You're either growing forward or you're becoming outgrown. And so those are some things I want you to remember, that life is really about growing, and you have to grow to keep up. How many of you know that uh, I go back home into the neighborhood, my mom and dad, they moved into... Um, 58 years ago, let's say, 58 years ago, they moved into this neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, it was like the best neighborhood, the best, one of the best neighborhoods in our area, in the, in the city. 
And uh, it was a neighborhood where professional people moved. And it was a great neighborhood. But I go back there today, and it is a different neighborhood than it was when they bought that neighborhood. And so we have to keep growing because we can see that by staying the same, we are outgrown. So um, since we're reading the Bible this morning, let's look in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. The book of Revelation, chapter 19. I am so thrilled to be here this morning. I am so thrilled that you're here this morning. Revelation, I feel amazing this morning. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel God is doing something in your lives. And as we embark upon this new year, I want you to get ready for an amazing year. Get ready. See, see, we look at the beginning of a calendar year, but man, there are some things that are happening even before we get to that new calendar year. See, things happen in the spirit before you see them in the natural. And so we might as well just get a three-month jump on everybody else. And uh, it's time to break out. It's time to break out. It's time to break through. Amen. Come on, the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10, champions. Let's read that like we know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. Now stop right there. This is John. John is on the island of Patmos. And on the island of Patmos, John, an angel appears to him. Now you remember when John writes the book of Revelation, He says that it is the word of Jesus Christ. And he says that I was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he begins to write the revelation of Jesus Christ. An angel appears to him. And when the angel appears to him, he talks about blessing. And so as a result of that, John, he falls down and he he begins to worship the angel. Let's start at the top and let's read that again together now. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. Oh my God, how many of you heard that before? You say that to your children, don't do that. So the first thing the children know is no. So you tell them to do something, you look at it, no. Because that's the word they know. No. So, so the angel tells him, don't do that. We've got to start at the top and let's read it. Why do you keep stopping? Let's just keep reading it until we finish this particular passage. Come on, let's read it together. Now... At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony. It is the spirit of what? It is the spirit of what? It is the spirit of prophecy that bears the testimony of Jesus. So so prophecy will tell you stuff you don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, Prophecy will tell you about the future. It'll it'll, it'll instruct you on even some things that about the past. And so he says the prophecy, uh, uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And what this angel is saying, don't worship me. He's saying worship God. And notice this, and speak the words that God has given you to say. Don't worship me, but speak the words that God has given you to say. You know what? I'm fully persuaded that if we learn nothing else in our lives about the word of God, if we'll just put into practice all the word that we know, that we'll be turned into brand new people. How many of you believe that? And so it's so so important. Now, one of the things that's so critical in growing is growing you have to exercise. 
Because if you don't exercise, it comes a point where you stop growing. Let me give you a perfect example of that. You know, um, if you keep eating and eating and eating and eating and eating, but never go and release what you've eaten, you never uh, exercise what you have received, then you know what happens when you overeat? You know what happens? You feel so stuffed and you just feel so miserable and you don't even enjoy after a period of time what you've already eaten. And you, and you know what happens when you overeat? You start complaining about how you feel, even though at the moment that you start eating, you enjoyed it. Wow. And you know what? I'm the youngest of eight. I'm the youngest in my family. And so when you sat at the table, you, you, you didn't mess around talking. You went straight forward. Because, because I learned that if you don't do it at the moment, you may not have another moment. So very rarely do I leave anything on my plate because I have been trained by my growing up that when it's time to eat, you eat. And I don't leave anything and put in the refrigerator because if I put in the refrigerator, it may not be there later. So I usually will eat what's on my plate. Gwen will take stuff home and I'll be, woo! She gets up later that evening. Let me go. It's gone, baby. Now, now, our daughter, Jasmine, she got smart. She used to put her name on her stuff. I felt a little guilty eating that when her name's on it. But when no one's name on it, it's for the house, amen? Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Nobody's name on it. It's for the house. It's house food. So, and, and no, Gwen has not started putting her name on her food. And Lord, don't give her that idea. <laughs> so, 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 so we've got we to gotta keep growing. It's just so critical. Now, one of the amazing things about keep growing is that we keep growing. And so what we eat, we're able to release. Because mature people are the ones who produce, reproduce. Mature, reproduce. Mature people reproduce. Or mature trees produces. The Bible calls it fruit. And that's what God desires for all of our lives. And so let me just share this with you. We're the only thing that God has created that lives in two worlds at the same time. We're the only thing that God's created that lives in two worlds at the same time. We are in this building physically, but yet we're living connected to the spiritual world. So we're living physically. We're physically right now in this building, but we also are connected with the spiritual world at the same time. And so we are spirit, but we live in a what? We are spirit, but we live in a what? In a body. So we are in contact with two worlds at the same time. And so this is the challenge of our lives. And the challenge is that we are experiencing more than one thing at the same time. And sometimes you can get distracted by the things that you are experiencing. And so because we live in two worlds at the same time, we're susceptible of having and living with what I, I'll call an identity crisis, an identity crisis, not knowing really who we are or not knowing exactly what we should do. And that's why and this year 5780 is so important because the, it really gives us remembrance of, of, of what the Bible talks about of the men of Issachar. The men of Issachar, they understood the times and they knew what Israel ought to do. They understood, then they knew. Oh, it talks about wisdom. 
It talks about the, uh, the progressive word of God. How many of you know that God will speak to you, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So as a result of that, we do not live just on what God has said, but we live on what God is saying. See, because it's so critical that we recognize that if you just live on what God's saying, not every particular passage in the Bible is, is relevant to you at that moment. See, because the Bible says, stand still. But it also says, go forward. So you read in the, you, you want to make a decision and you read in the Bible and your scripture opens up to stand still. When, when God is saying, go forward. And so we live not on what God has said, but on what God is saying. So it's so critical that we get to a place where, he's, where we have ears to hear and an understanding to know what it is that God is saying that we must do. You know what? It's a, it's a beautiful thing because Gwen and I, we were driving somewhere and traffic was so bad. It was horribly bad. And, uh, and so, you know, I always ask Gwen, but, but Gwen, she's got a sense and she says, well, I think you should go this way. And it's amazing. We missed probably 40 minutes of traffic. Uh, going the way that Gwen's instructed. And you know what? The reason why I usually do what Gwen says when we're driving, unless I... Now, we were downtown one time. It's about a couple of weeks ago. We were downtown, and we were driving, and Gwen was telling me to go this way. I said, honey, I used to work downtown. I know that's not the way to go. Well, look, I'm telling you that's the way to go. And so I've learned after 34 years that you know what you push back on and when you need to be silent. <laughs> so, so we live in two worlds, right? And we live in two worlds at the same time. Man, that's, that's challenging. And that's why um, the prophet says that how long will you stand between two opinions? If God is God, let's serve him. If man is God, if Baal is God, let's serve Baal. But don't stand between two opinions. But we're contacted or connected to two worlds at the same time. And so what God has done, he's created the world in such a way that things that are the same do not reproduce. That's deep. Let me just say that again to you. God has created the world in such a way that things that are the same will not reproduce. Everything needs something else that is different from itself to reproduce. Let me give you an example. Um, Adam is walking in the garden and uh, Adam is walking with God and God says at the moment that he's walking with Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. Now Adam is alone. But he's not. God is walking with him. But God is saying it is not good for man to be with something that, because if, he, if he's alone, then he will identify with himself only. And, and if Adam is just walking with God, then Adam will think he's God. And so God puts Adam to sleep, does surgery on him, uh, makes Eve out of him. And Adam wakes up and he looks at her and he says, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Someone different than him, but someone that is compatible to him. And so notice this, that God, look, you cannot get electricity uh, to come into a place by having a socket against the socket. You cannot release the power of the beautiful, of these sound system and these instruments with the plug against the plug. It has to be different. And when it is different and it's working together and connected together, then it produces the purpose of why God has created each one of them. 
And so God has created a thing to reproduce, but not with the same thing, to reproduce with something that is different. And isn't that amazing how God has created us so that we're able to reproduce, but then we get hung up on the differences that we have with each other. And so he says, look, I just want you to know that I'm going to bless your family, but all I need is just two to agree. And if just two of you agree, and then what the enemy does, the enemy knows how to get in a family. If he can cause a dissension between the man and the woman, just two to agree. That's all. God says, I'm going to make it simple because that is the place of power. And so we recognize then that uh, God has created us in such a way that he reproduces when things are different, when we're connected to something that is different. And so as a result of that, then God has created and given all of us gifts. He puts talents and he puts gifts in the church. And he puts them in that are different from one another. And the very purpose that you have a gift uh, demonstrates that there is a need. There is a need. Because when God puts these in uh, together and that are different, then it is to fulfill a need that the other one could not fulfill. And so we recognize then that God has put you here. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know what? Almost everything you need is in somebody else. Everything, almost what you need, God has given to someone else. Iron sharpens iron. But I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this in the, in the word of God. Go over to the book of 2 Kings. One of the things we recognize that, let me just kind of set this up for you, because one of the things we recognize is that uh, uh, Israel had, there were 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes. And these tribes fell out with each other. They disagreed with each other. And so the two tribes went to the south, and they became the southern kingdom, which is known as Judah. Ten tribes went to the north, and they are known as Israel. So now you've got where 12 were together, now you've got two tribes. You've got, or you've got two, you've got two kingdoms now. Now there was one kingdom, but now there are two kingdoms. There is a northern kingdom that have ten tribes, and there is the southern kingdom that has two tribes. Now, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, or the king of the southern kingdom. But you know who, the ki- who is the king of the northern kingdom? Joram. Come on, let's read that <laughs> together. Let's read that together so we can see how God's working this thing. Let's read it together. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 1. Joram, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the eighth year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. Now, notice this. Joram is the king of Israel over 10 tribes. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. But notice this. Joram is the son of Ahab. Wait a minute. Ahab was the husband of Jezebel, and nobody liked Ahab. So Ahab was coming to take over the southern kingdom. And Jehoshaphat says, we need help. So he starts moving to the northern kingdom. And he says that, uh, 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 you know what, uh, uh, we've been taken over by Moab. And as a result of that, Moab is going to take us over. And so you know what happens? The northern kingdom with their ten tribes starts joining Jehoshaphat with his two tribes. And as they join together, why? It's because, look, if he takes you over, if Moab takes you over, then Moab's going to come and they're going to take us over in the north. So we need to come together. They came together. They picked up another army. 
And as they picked up this other army, they're moving forward and they're ready to fight. Isn't it interesting that there was one time where they were separated, one in the north and one in the south. But that tells you that at some point you have to put your past behind so that you can move forward into the victory of your future. And they had to put the battles that they fought against each other behind so that they can come together and fight a battle that was, was essential for their future. And so we're going to see this. Joram was the son of Abab, and he became the king of Israel. <laughs> and so they walked seven days into the wilderness, and as they were going into the wilderness, they got thirsty, and there was no water, and they could not find any water. And when they could not find any water, they got frustrated. And, the, and, 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 and Joram, the son of Ahab, the king of Israel, he said, the Lord has brought us out here to kill us. That's what he said. The Lord's brought us out here, and he's brought us out here to kill us. Why would he say that? It is because he had been conditioned based on the house that he had grown up in to be scared and not trust God. Why, why, do, you, why do you say that, Liddell? Why do you say that? <laughs> it is because Joram is the son of Ahab, and you recall that Ahab <laughs> killed the 400 prophets. I mean, killed the prophets, rather. And Elijah had come to a place where he began to cry to God and says, I'm the only one that's living, God. And God says, no, 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 you're not the only one that's living. I've got a whole lot more that are living. And, and, and he, he, he thought he was all alone, but God says, no, 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 you're not alone. And so Elijah against Ahab came, and he began to call down fire from heaven. And they killed the 400 prophets of Baal. And so if you're in Ahab's house, you do not mention the name of Elijah. Elijah is a bad name. Why? It's because he came against Ahab and he came against Jezebel. But he came a place where we see that as they were moving forward, as they were working together. In 2 Kings chapter 3, <laughs> verse 11, when this uh, Ahab, son of Ahab, starts talking about God's brought us out here to kill all of us, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, the king of the tribe that worships, Jehoshaphat, the king, he says these words. Come on, champions, let's read that together. Let's read it together now. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here, though whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha son of Japhat is here and he used to pour water on the hands of Elijah now leave that up right now isn't that amazing the king of Judah is there the king of, uh, of, of, of Israel is there but the king of Israel Ahab is, is operating in the natural but he needs a voice that is prophetic to work with him in the natural so they need each other Jehoshaphat only has two Tribes, uh, but uh, uh, Ahab's son has 10. So Jehoshaphat needs Israel because he needs a bigger army. But Israel may not have known, but Ahab's son needed Jehoshaphat because he had a prophetic voice. And when, the, uh, when, when Ahab's son began to say that, look, uh, God's brought us out here to, to, to kill us that he needed a prophetic voice to say, is there not somebody in this place? 
a prophet of the Lord, that, can, that we can inquire of the Lord to get a word from the Lord to see exactly what we should be doing. And, and as he said that, notice this. One of the sons of Ahab, one of his sons said, Elisha lives near here. Wait a minute. How is it that he knows where Elisha lives but have never said it to the leader of the army? How is it that he knows where Elisha is? How is it that he knows where Elisha lives but he never would say where the provision could come from, where the word could come from? It is because, again, that, look, you don't mention Elijah and you don't mention Elisha because they weren't good to the family. Elisha calls fire down. Elisha begins to prophesy, and so you don't, you don't say anything about them. But you know what happens is that he says that it's Elisha. He lives near here. But you know what? He would have never said that if the gift that was on Jehoshaphat was never released just by simply asking a question. Is there anyone near that we can inquire of the Lord? And when he released that, just a question, because he had a spirit of prophecy, that uh, the son of Ahab, one of the sons of Ahab began to say, hey, I, ain't been, I haven't been talking about him in my family, but I know he lives near here and he can give us a word. Isn't that amazing how they needed each other? Because if they did not have each other, they would not have done what they did, but they needed each other. And if Elijah, if Jehoshaphat would have stayed quiet, they never would have known that Elisha was in the neighborhood. So God has given every person a gift. And the reason that God has given you a gift is that there is a need and that what you need in many respects someone else has and what they need you have but when we sit we do not allow our gifts to be used when we sit and we do not speak what God has said if we sit and allow our seeds and our uh, gifts to lie dormant then what happens in our life there is a need that goes unfulfilled